Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe. Tales of your very favorite and most beloved disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly and stay safe. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. Hi, buddy. What a shitty, shitty week. Tell me about it. Tell us all about it. So I know we have mentioned her a couple times on the podcast, our Blood Bunny Necklace. Um, that's her name. That's what Ava named her almost eight years ago when we got her. Well, she passed away this weekend. I'm so well, sorry. Friday. She passed away Friday, which thank God it was like the weekend coming up because it would just... It would have been worse for my kids going to school after that. Oh, God, yes. And, uh, yeah, so I normally go out, you know, in the mornings to say hi to her. She didn't greet me. It was really weird. I'm like, huh. So I looked in her little coop, and she was sleeping. So I was like, hmm. Well, the top of it lifts off. So I was like, I lift it up because she wasn't – it was just weird. It was just not yeah. normal. And – she was just in there sleeping forever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what a way to describe it, Melanie. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it really sucked because it was in the morning. My kids were already at school. And um, so sitting with that all day and not knowing what to do. We've never we lost Mr. Fishy uh, when we moved from Oregon to um, Las Vegas. But it was it was a beta fish, you know, that's a hard travel for a fish. He held on for yeah. dear life, but nothing of this magnitude. I mean Right. The kids go in, we play with her. Mammals are different. <laughs> yeah, it was just the whole thing, it just sucked. And um so Cody and I definitely were not prepared for this at all. We knew Ava would take it probably worse than anyone else she's a huge animal lover and um we were correct so we sat them down and we were like you know we have some pretty heavy news to tell you um try to do it without um too much emotion on our parts i guess you know to be strong for them i i, I don't know um see my girlfriend had some advice for you about this part that we gonna talk about yeah that is so funny when we're we're gonna get into some gallows humor shit with the uh necklace situation including your nightmare of a story momentarily yeah but i uh you were texting me about this and i told her that same morning i was like oh no melanie's bunny died and she's got to tell her kids they're still at school they don't know yet it's so awful and she looked genuinely stricken and was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. And and was just kind of grasping around for some kind of words of wisdom here. And she's like, maybe she should um, get them some ice cream and they can cry while they eat their ice cream. <laughs> she doesn't have children. <laughs> if you didn't think that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, follow you for more parenting. Tips. Oh, my God. It's so funny. 
Um, yeah. So just for the record, for the seed, do not picture ice cream because apparently you did not take that advice, I, shockingly. I, I did not. Um, and, you know, the guttural screams that came out of my Ugh. children's mouth when we told oh, them. Oh, God. Uh, I've never heard anything like that before. Uh, at one point, Ava was screaming um, to let her resuscitate necklace because she wants to be a oh. vet. God, that's awful. Yeah, it was just, you know, just explaining to them that there was literally nothing we could do. And to have to break my kid's heart, I'm sorry, I get a little weepy. It just, it sucked. I I had all day to cry, you know, myself. I was, but like. It's different. Adelaide had the exact same reaction when Lorna died, which really took me aback because Lorna was my dog. They weren't even that bonded. And I mean, she's lost multiple family members the past couple mm-hmm. years you know she lost her grandfather her great-grandmother her baby brother she's lost a lot and she took lorna worse than all of them put together right. honestly yeah and, i mean this the screams they they will live rent free forever in my head i think yeah. my little josie it's- boy though oh my gosh um it was a kind of a nice he's so little like he doesn't truly comprehend everything's going on right. and he looked really sad and he gave me a hug and he says oh, baby. he's like mom i hate when people are sad and i was like i know buddy and he was like they're just so noisy <laughs> <laughs> what's his sign by the way because that's an air sign thing to say <laughs> um well his birthday is coming up in two weeks so what's that what's april 3rd um, sounds like Aries. Interesting. Yeah. Air sign, but interesting. So, yeah. So that was uh, a couple hours of just complete and utter devastation. We ordered some pizza because there was no cooking to be found. And, mm. um, mind you, um, the same day, it's like torrential rains. It's pouring here in Louisiana. And, so it's it's a whole mood, you know what I mean? By the way, hold on. Let's let's pause right here and I'm going to say that we probably should have said this sooner, but at the top of this episode, this is your massive cannot be bigger, bold, italicized, underlined, asterisks on either side, exclamation marks, content warning about bad stuff happening to animals. The entire you, time. The entire episode, it only gets worse. It it starts bad, it gets a little worse, it gets a bit worse, it gets horrendous. Um, if you need more specifics on that, because, you know, some people are more bothered by certain kinds of animals than others or whatever. If you need more specifics on that, please check your content warnings because you're gonna need them this episode. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's going to be so, a, a ride. Yeah, we realize we can just kind of um, roll this upcoming story about necklace in with that content warning for the whole episode. It's a blanket warning. Consider yourself warned. Yes. Carry on. Um, yeah, so it was raining here. And um, once it it was still kind of sprinkling a little, um, we're going to get into a little bit of burial here. Yeah, a little bit of burial. And um, so Cody, Cody's like, obviously, we need to bury the bunny. We were going back and forth on whether we should let... Our kids attend this. We've decided we opted not to, um, based just. Thank God you did. Thank God. Thank God we did. <laughs> um, so 
he he tells me he he's like, babe, I'm going to need you to Google how deep a hole um I need to dig. And you know, we're we're out with we got farmlands here and stuff like that. But anyways, he and I was like, Well why are you putting this on me? Like you just Google it. And he's like, Babe, you already Google weird shit for your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> If I'm all of a sudden looking up like how deep to bury things and something happens to you, I'm getting flagged first. Like it's immediately suspicious. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. So I was like, fair enough. So we look it up and uh, I was like, well, you're going to need a minimum of three feet, which I do feel is a little excessive um, for a, bunny? For a yeah, small bunny. I mean, three feet. That's it's Louisiana, though. It's Louisiana, and um, I've learned that maybe it wasn't deep enough. <laughs> um, Carry on. <laughs> oh no! And so we got the tape measure, and it's a little over three feet. And um, pretty quickly, as he's digging, um, the whole you guys actually got a three foot hole dug. Oh hell! When co- three feet deep, good God! Cody is a rule follower. He is a wow. rule follower. That is. Wow, I did not realize that detail. Yeah. Um, so we had the tape measure. It's three foot. You know, as we're getting deeper and deeper, it is filling up with water. So I'm taking a bucket out and like we're emptying the water. We get all the water out. We have our really deep hole. Um, get necklace. I'm snuggling with necklace. Um, it, it was really hard to let her go. He wanted to snuggle with necklace. We were spending probably too much time snuggling with our dead bunny. Maybe. Because the hole started filling up with water again. And um, we laid her in and then the water just kept rising. And I don't know if anyone knows this, but like bunnies float. (laughs) (laughs) That has to be the worst two words on this podcast since Funny Hop. Oh my god, this is like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, and like, no. I'm sorry, but it was just like a, it was just such a terrible day. We and need like a sound effect for when we're getting into the grief blender stuff, <laughs> like a <laughs> that we can play. Um, so <laughs> so Cody's trying to bury the bunny, but like the water's filling up faster than he can shovel the dirt in and she just oh. keeps bouncing over <laughs> oh no <sighs> oh this is so traumatizing this I'll never forget awful. it um so I had to get uh there was like a dowel rod that was laying so I just kind of like laid it like kind of at an angle over her because I was afraid I didn't want to like obviously puncture her um, so I like had to hold hold her down while the thing was filling with water oh, and dirt. And, um, there was a moment where, like, when we finally are like halfway filling it up, I, I think we lost half a foot to a foot with with that just circus mm-hmm. of me and my husband like trying to respectfully bury her. Um, we couldn't stop laughing. Uh, it was just one of those like laughing at a funeral moments. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah. Uh, like when you sent me DoorDash while I was sitting at my dying grandmother's bedside and you told the uh, DoorDash delivery drivers that I was stoned <laughs> and needed a lot of food. <laughs> like that? It was like that. Okay. Just so we, we, we got her buried. Um, and then we obviously, we, we, we had some like logs from our tree uh, still from the hurricane. So we just kind of put those over top of it just to make sure like... She stayed down. <laughs> How has that held up? Because I feel like that would be a heartbeat under the floorboard situation for a while. I mean, thank God we didn't let Ava resuscitate. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah. Sorry. It's just dark. I don't know. We, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really glad that the kids did, did not see that. I'm glad that we had that moment. Um, we shot, we should have been faster with our goodbyes, I think. Yeah, maybe a little less snuggling. Yeah. Maybe maybe move it along. So yeah, there was that. It's been it's been a rough a rough weekend. Um Aria they went back to school on Monday. I picked Aria up um that afternoon and I was like, How's your day? And she was like, Well, it was terrible because our first assignment was to draw our favorite pet. <laughs> oh hell no. Yes. The timing oh for our family God. is like the most ridiculous things ever. Luckily, she has like the best counselor at school. So there's that. And then you don't want your pet bunny dying before Easter because everywhere I look is a oh, fucking no. bunny. Oh, my God. Right? That, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, it's. That's horrible. It's overload. <laughs> Come on, Necklace. You couldn't have timed that a little better. She did it on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's rude. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. Should have got some bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> that would have certainly added ambiance <laughs> to that burial scene. <laughs> so, yeah, rest in peace to our sweet bunny necklace she's lived in four states with us she's been on a ton of vacations like we literally would like mount her water bottles in the bathtub so she could be in the hotel room with us she's been all over the place and you know i will never get another bunny she cannot be replaced no pour one out for necklace yep light a candle have a Baja Blast. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm just going <laughs> to retroactively say that's in her honor. I'm pouring out a Baja Blast for necklace. Oh, I love it. Well, now that I just trauma dumped on the whole world. Um, oh, just you wait till we get into the episode. Uh, shall we jump this in? This is one of those where I should have done disaster relief between each segment. Oh, yeah. Like the little palate cleansers. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's jump into the bracket. Sure. This is going to be the last fun we have for a minute. So this week, um, our matchup is old books versus plastic floaties. Plastic floaties. After I just gave you that whole story about my bunny floating, that's what you're picking? Oof. Oof. I'm just kidding. Can I just title this episode Oof? Because start to finish, man. (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. Unfortunately, yes. Yes, I do feel like if there had been plastic floaties involved in that, it would have added some much-needed whimsy to your yeah. situation. All right. Um, I I don't know. I as much as I love reading, and as much as I seem like someone who should just love the shit out of old book smell, I mean, I like it, but um, I feel like it's more my mom's thing. I don't know. 
Um, pool floaties, however, oh hell yes! I would have every chance the same in the thing. world of 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 winning this whole thing. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no pool floaties all the way. All right, so I know a little bit about what you're doing this week. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm ready to get into it. You say this now. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay, so it bears repeating. It will be repeated again at least a couple times throughout this episode. Did you say it bears Please repeating. Ch- Do we have bears? Believe it or not, I don't think there is a bear, actually. There was going to be, but the last one got too long. Um, the way that I keep doing these is that when I want to do a compilation, I'll scour the internet and I'll find some number of stories that I want to cover. And I'm like, okay, I want to do this many and I want my word count to be around this. So I'm just going to do these short little stories do like 500 word counts each. I'll get like eight stories. I always lay it out like this and it goes great until I find one that I'm like, oh shit, this is an episode. <laughs> um, so here you're going to get a series of short stories and then... And then it's all going to come together into the worst thing of all time. Okay. So that's going to happen. Yep. So there are many different kinds of animals, uh, many different bad things that happen to people and animals. And um, you ready? God, I hope so. <laughs> You're not. There's no bunny in it, though. I, we, so I took care of that for you. You did. You did. So we're not going to double up on bunnies. We're just going to cover every other bad thing and then the last thing um will reach levels of bad that i don't think i've personally uh tiptoed up to since the car wash episode Hmm. so which actually it has a big thing in common with the car wash episode but we'll get there so just to set the tone here i will tell you that my intent was to keep this primarily to stories from the u.s um i am doing Owners who are attacked by their own exotic pets. Um, it won the poll when I did a what do you guys want me to cover next poll. Uh, this one pretty easily won. There are a lot of stories from a lot of places. I don't pretend to understand cultural norms in other countries well enough to understand how dumb it may or may not be to keep a particular pet. I feel very well qualified to comment on American stupidity. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not even going to try it anywhere else, but my God, I can say it here. Um, I, I, when it comes to ill-advised exotic pets, I just, I feel like we can all agree that America has stupidity to go around. This is the country that brought you Tiger King. Yes. Um, so I decided to limit it to here because I don't want to talk about things I have no business talking about. Um, so these are all American and it shows. Um, so when I was doing my preliminary research to see what stories I wanted to cover, I see in this one and I thought, well, that looks interesting, but based on the animal involved, it can't be American, I don't think, but damn, that's a crazy story. I kept reading in Son of a Bitch, it's not only from the US, it's from my state, Indiana. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because of course it is. Our exotic pet laws are almost non-existent here. Um, if you want to own yourself a wildebeest, consider us the land of opportunity for those dreams. Come what? on over and start yourself a wildebeest farm. Oh, you can do whatever you want here. <laughs> um, and that wildebeest farm concept is exactly what a man named Klaus Redant, an Aries, by the way, did. Um, Klaus, who inexplicably went by Dick, despite not being stuck with the name Richard, he just did it on a volunteer basis, apparently. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what 
the deal was there. I don't know if it was like an Americanization thing because he um, came to America from Germany when he was 12. I don't know if he was just like, Dick, that seems American. He's not wrong. But I don't know what the thinking was there. But if you don't know, wildebeests are roughly 500 pound animals that look a little bit like melodramatic cows (laughs) and are by and large found only in Africa. Although you apparently can find some on hunting preserves in Texas. I don't know. I couldn't find much about, hold on, what's going on there? Um, Generally, they're only in Africa. I'm not really sure how Dick got his hands on his first two, but they provided him with a third when they had a calf. After raising their three kids to adulthood and establishing his career as a tool and die maker, 64-year-old Dick and his wife of 25 years, Terry Lynn, lived with their family of wildebeests on a farm in North Liberty, Indiana, which is about two and a half hours from me. Terry Lynn is a very Indiana name. It is. And it's funny because I, when I was writing this, I was like, hold on, is that the Terry Lynn I know about? Because I, I know about a couple of them. They're local. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I did some digging into their biographical information to make sure it couldn't be the same Terry Lynn. No, you're right. It is just an Indiana name. <laughs> Um, they also shared their farm with emus, llamas, ostriches, and reindeer, although this was apparently not necessarily known to their community, um, because the development director for the area zoological society would later say that he had no idea that a wildebeest lived nearby and that it was quote, kind of shocking. Mm. Yeah. So Dick headed out to the barnyard one Sunday morning around 10 AM, but when he wasn't back for lunch, Terry Lynn got concerned and went out to check on him. And these had to be some absolutely weird farm chores, like with this combination of creatures. Right. Um, but the male wildebeest's enormous horns had been removed to reduce the danger. I don't know anything about how okay or harmful that might be for a wildebeest. That sounds so awful. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if removing them is painful. I don't know if it bothers them to have them gone. I don't know in the exotics community how ethical or unethical this might be considered all i know is that because i mean believe me i tried to google is it okay to remove wildebeest horns google doesn't really have an answer for that (laughs) um so maybe dick felt more comfortable than he should have approaching the wildebeest during mating season Mm. um what terilyn found when she went to check on dick confirmed that he should not have felt so comfortable she found dick lying in the ground horribly injured paramedics arrived but it was too late for dick who had been rammed repeatedly in the chest and head by the dehorned wildebeest after it had ripped the gate off of its hinges and then trampled him once he was on the ground um and he died of blunt force trauma so that is the we're, we're warming you up here because we've got a few of these just kind of anecdotes before we get into the bad shit. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So two years, about 400 miles away in 2006, we meet 50-year-old Sandra, a cancer for those who care. Aww, Sometimes like I me. like to write. I know. Only not. Only not. Not at all. <laughs> Sometimes I like to write these like I'm a dramatic wildlife documentary narrator. And I definitely <laughs> feel like this episode feels right for that. <laughs> Um, so Sandra loved at least 10 things, doing what the fuck she wanted, and her nine wolf-dog hybrids. She worked as an activity director for a health and rehab facility in Pennsylvania, and she had one adult daughter and a husband named Clyde, who news stories describe as estranged. In addition to her day job, she had what you might call a hobby or a passion. 
owning and breeding wolf-dog hybrids. She was very much on the radar of the local humane society who saw these dogs as extremely dangerous, but they would later say that Sandra was, quote, extremely likable, but, quote, just delusional about their danger and totally misguided. They said they told her again and again that her wolf dogs would turn on her one day, but she would not hear any of it. She'd already been attacked once. It wasn't even that bad. She was fine. But authorities were afraid of the day that the pen failed to contain them and an innocent bystander was hurt. She'd owned them for at least a decade and considered herself an advocate for wolves. She had a whole system for skating by with this legally. Officially, they were just dogs, like when she had to register them with the state for vaccines and that kind of thing. But she did breed them, and she definitely told puppy buyers that they were wolf hybrids, which I'm pretty sure they were um, from everything in the story and pictures and everything. One Monday morning, she failed to show up for a meeting with her daughter, Crystal. Crystal reached out to her dad, Clyde, the estranged husband, who swung by Sandra's house to check things out. She fed a diet of roadkill to her nine wolf dogs, who ranged in age and were all intact, and kept them in a 40-foot by 150-foot electrified pen outside. She definitely loved her dogs, but the pen was a far cry from the 50 to 100 square miles needed by that number of wolves. Um, But the pen was where Clyde found Sandra's body when he got there. She had been injured severely, mostly on her abdomen, scalp, arms, and legs, and had bled out inside the pen in a matter of minutes. The coroner would find that although her body was, quote, relatively intact, almost all of her soft tissue was injured. Check your content warnings. All the wolf dogs were euthanized with darts while they were still in the enclosure, partly in order to access Sandra's body. There was some debate about whether she had entered the pen awake and healthy and been attacked by the animals or whether she had maybe experienced some kind of medical crisis and they just followed their instincts, which is still, you know, upsetting, but right. less so. Um, but her autopsy ended up confirming that she was fine until they attacked her. The coroner also noted that, quote, it appears that they stopped their attack. It's curious. And as an aside, her obituary listed her former husband and as the writer of my future obituary please don't include former spouses i would hate that oh yeah absolutely like is that standard i I would argue that if my ex-spouse can reasonably be described as estranged he doesn't need a shout out in my obituary of course of course yeah so please uh jot that down one year and about a thousand miles takes us to kathy ake a leo and a florida woman based on both her address and her interests (laughs) kathy (laughs) Kathy and I mean she was she was geographically a Florida woman, but she was also spiritually a Florida woman, is what I'm saying here. Um Kathy and her husband Donnie had a dream, and their last name lent itself to the perfect gimmicky name for it. They wanted to own an exotic animal farm. And thus, Donnie and Kathy Ake, which is A-K-E, opened many acres exotic animals spelled A-K-E-R-S. Oh. On 15 acres of farmland. I might love it. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous, but yeah. I mean, imagine the moment that you're brainstorming a name for this and you're like, wait a minute. And that comes to you. That had to be a great moment, I feel like. so I she do have some of- friends that when they send their Christmas card to us, they always write the cruise ship. And I <gasps> really want to like copyright like trademark that that's cool also it's really cool that your last name is cruise with help with cody's job being what it is yeah that's cool yeah you need to do some some bullshit don't do this same bullshit though we're about to find out why (laughs) (laughs) 
So Kathy Ake had a bunch of not so exotic Pomeranians along with monkeys, llamas, wallabies. Um, after a decade of running their exotics farm, things were going well enough that the local news station came out to do a segment on them. The Aches had a new, almost one-ton guest, a four-year-old camel named Polo, who they had just brought to the farm after buying him at an auction a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, just before mating season. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is the camel going to do something? I love mm-hmm. camels. Okay, so as I was researching this, I came across an article that I thought had just the most insensitive title. The article title was Smoked by a Camel Happens More Than You Think. (laughs) And I was just like, wow, okay. (laughs) We don't need to be sensitive about this at all. So they kept him in a 50 by 80 foot enclosure. And for what it's worth, I looked into it and... How much space do camels need can go on the list of bizarre Google searches related to this podcast. Anyway, for what it's worth, that is more than adequate space for a single camel. Um, The film crew came out one day while Donnie was at work, got some footage, and decided to take a break. And so did Polo decide to take a break on top of Kathy. (sighs) Mm -hmm. The enormous camel kicked her and then laid down on top of her prone body. Oh my gosh! Mm Mm-hmm. One of the reporters called 911 immediately. Dude, can you imagine being a first responder and getting called out to an exotic animal farm? No. Like, you don't know what you're going to find, but you you can safely assume it's going to be an anecdote that you end up telling people who ask if you have any weird work stories for the rest of your life. Exactly. Like, you, you don't know what's happening, but you know you're going to be talking about it for a long time. Um. Poor Donnie came home from work in the midst of the commotion and found the sheriff and paramedics moving Polo off of Kathy to find what everybody probably already assumed, which is that Kathy had been crushed to death. In one of those interview poll quotes that are just kind of understated, but imply some really awful stuff moments, the sheriff said, quote, to be honest with you, I don't think there's much that she could have done. Mm. Yeah. Um, Kathy's husband, Donnie, said that Kathy adored her animals and that they, that she would make sure that they were fed even when the couple was barely fed themselves. Um, he thought that mating season was the reason Polo had done what he'd done and he said that he intended to get rid of him, although at least in this story the animal did get to live, which is often not the case. Right. Um, Kathy left behind an adult daughter and a stepson and as much as I... Scoured the internet, and I feel like I should have been able to find this because it's semi-local. I can't find anything on whether the farm continued or if it was shut down after this. I I can't find anything about it really outside of the news articles about this story. And I would um, assume so it I probably know. got shut down. I mean, you would think, but honestly, exotics people can be a little quirky. <laughs> um, the following year, and nine hundred miles away, finds us with Amanda, a twenty-five-year-old reptile enthusiast. Amanda and her husband, who was in the Navy, live near Virginia Beach. They own several snakes, including one named Diablo. But Diablo is no ordinary snake that you think of just chilling in like a 55, 75-gallon aquarium. Diablo was a 13-foot reticulated tiger python. They're not necessarily considered a dangerous pet per se, which is wild to me, because they can reach 30 feet long and swallow a human being whole. As one wild reticulated python did with a farmer in Indonesia in 2017. And if you missed that story somehow, whoo, the pictures are rough. Oh, man. Okay, I have to look it up. Yeah. Look up 2017 Indonesia python or something. 
Is that your stomach? It is my stomach. I'm a python. <laughs> <laughs> you need to eat a person. Was that saying? Yeah, like, I'm so at- hungry I could eat a horse? You could eat a python that already ate a person, basically? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it's rough, huh? Oh, my. Yeah, it's gnarly. USA Today ran a story on reticulated pythons, writing, quote, The length of time it takes to watch an episode of Game of Thrones is about all it takes for a reticulated python to kill and swallow a human being. Death comes quickly, notes Cornell professor Dr. Harry W. Green. The reticulated python, the longest living species of snake in the world, are constrictors, meaning they coil around their play. Meaning they coil around their prey. (laughs) (laughs) And squeeze them until they're dead in just a couple minutes. The swallowing takes most of the time. It would be extremely difficult for me to save my life without help, Green said. It wouldn't take very long, and it would be awful. But for whatever reason, they remain a popular pet for reptile lovers. Unfortunately for everyone, Diablo had an infection. But Amanda was a good and experienced snake owner, so one Tuesday night while her husband wasn't home, she attempted to give him a dose of antibiotics. When her husband got home at close to midnight, he found something he never expected— Amanda was on the floor of the bedroom near Diablo's pen, which was empty. How the fuck would you ever sleep with a 13-foot snake in your bedroom? I would never. Uh, no. I ever. mean, I get I get loving the reptiles. Um, they'd have to have their own space. It's, it, well, yeah. Thir- I, I, I mean, I, I don't cannot, even like my fucking kids sleeping in my room. I cannot say that I get the appeal of a 13-foot snake. Like, a little two-foot snake or something? Not for me, but fair enough. 13, that's too many. That is, I mean, in my opinion, about 12 feet too many. See, I think, I feel like the bigger the snake, the better I'd be. What? Yeah, it's, see, it's, it's like what we were talking about, like, the snake at my door. Like, I just want permission. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. And then, for me... I like my snakes bigger because it's like I can see them. I know where they are. Okay. I mean, I guess I follow the logic that they can't sneak up on you, but I just can't see myself looking at a 13-foot snake and thinking, well, at least I can see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want it to be here. I need it to leave. Nah. It's, it's no. Okay. Well, Amanda probably wished that too because she was dead. Her windpipe had been crushed and the snake was nowhere to be found. Her husband called the police, who arrived and were able to locate Diablo behind another snake, a bow constrictor's enclosure. One officer commented on the situation, saying, quote, I know it's a very strong and very long snake, and after a couple of twists around the neck area, it's hard to fight that off. The cop and the medical examiner had to, quote, wrangle the snake into its enclosure, which is just the last fucking thing I'd expect or want to have to do at work in either one of those jobs. Um... Well, when the we, officer, uh, we called a police officer, I called non-emergency. I didn't even think to call like animal control. A police officer got that <laughs> snake that was at my front door. Okay. So maybe in snaky locales, the cops are used to that, but I feel like the medical examiner probably still isn't. Yeah. Yeah. The officer said, quote, the doctor grabbed the tail and I had the midsection and I was using snake tongs on it. The snake was actually trying to strike at me, and once we got him in the cage, he tried to strike at the doctor through the aquarium. He was a little upset. I think he meant the snake, but honestly, I don't blame him if he meant the doctor. 
In one of my favorite poll quotes ever, WAVY News reported, quote, Right now, animal control officers have custody of the snake, but they say they are not sure yet what they are going to do with it. The husband wants nothing to do with the snake, obviously, said Officer Humphrey. So for now, animal control officers say they are keeping the python fed and happy with live rats. Oh, Are you ready for things to get bad? I mean, it's already pretty bad. <laughs> oh, it gets so much worse. It gets so much worse. This was this was barely warm up. Oof, friend. You you don't even know what's coming your way. Oh, okay. Well, I gotta, I gotta crack my back before this. Oh, this is gonna be bad. Okay. So, please, please, please check your content warnings. Um. Let's travel one year and 400 miles to Stamford, Connecticut, 2009. And this one is a little bit of a break in our pattern because the victim was not technically the owner. And you've also probably heard of this story. Um, it was much more covered than any of the others. Um, and I really want to, although I absolutely have enough to easily do a two-parter on this if the people would like one. Um I definitely want to close with this one, which is definitely longer than the others to kind of bring this full circle, because I feel like as you're listening to these things, I think that the human nature is to kind of assess how much it's the owner's fault and be like, well, should they have had that in the first place? Like, was it even legal for them to have that? Was it ethical to the animal for them to have that? Did they do something they should have known, like fucking with it during mating season? You know, there's a lot of deciding how much to victim blame when you hear these stories. And I mean, I think that's understandable. I think that's maybe even okay, because in a lot of these cases, you know, there's some major irresponsibility involved. And let me tell you, there are a lot of stories that I chose not to cover. Um, There was one involving a snake and a two-year-old, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I skimmed that one and noped out of there so hard. Um, I can't do ones like that, but I think that this one, our uh, protagonist, you could say, is complicated but sympathetic. Um, and it's this one is really, I think, at the end of it, you would be challenged to have a very binary position on things, right? Um, And I think that's where we should leave it because, you know, it's not a completely black and white issue. Um, So let's, let's get into this. Um, Travis was a chimpanzee and a Libra, if that matters. At 14 years old, he had had an impressive career as an actor and as idyllic of a life as a captive primate could hope for. His parents, like his actual chimpanzee parents, had been brought to the U.S. from Africa And Travis was born in captivity in 1995. He was separated from his mother at three days old, which had to just be really fucked up for him. Right. Um, Wild chimpanzees don't even wean until five years old. I didn't know that. Yeah. And they're actively parented by their mothers until they're around 10. So three days is rough. That's really sad. Um, Yeah. But a couple named Jerome and Sandy ended up buying him for $50,000. A beautiful long-form article in New York Magazine that I will reference a lot in this described Travis's arrival after Sandra had placed her deposit on an upcoming baby chimp. 
quote. A few days earlier, she had received a call from Connie Casey, a breeder in Festus, Missouri, a rural town 35 miles south of St. Louis. Sandy, she said, your baby has arrived. It's a boy. Sandy stood in the Casey's living room. In her arms, swaddled and in a diaper, lay tiny Travis, named after her favorite singer, Travis Tripp. Travis was the son of Coco, who'd been snatched from the jungles of equatorial Africa in the early 70s and purchased for $12,000, and an 11-year-old retired zoo chimp named Susie. A day earlier, the Casey's had shot a tranquilizer in Susie and removed Travis from her cage. Travis peered up at Sandy. Black hair covered all but the interior of his face, which was pink, and the two tiny Dumbo ears that jutted from the top of his head. Sandy cried as his hands and feet grasped at her. She paid the Casey's $50,000 in cash, and a few days later, with Travis wrapped in baby blankets, the two of them boarded a flight home. Back in Samford, Sandy and Jerry played with Travis, who absorbed their smells and cues and began learning their language. Sandy bottle-fed him formula, burped him, and put him down for naps in a crib in their bedroom. At three months, he turned over. Soon he was scooting, then walking on his arms and legs, his knuckles absorbing much of his weight. They taught him to use the toilet. They joined him in the bathtub. They brushed his teeth and later taught him to brush his own teeth. Sandy bought him an extensive wardrobe and dressed him every morning. The Heralds retrofitted their house to accommodate Travis. They caged him in a large room in the rear, which had a set of sliders that led to an outdoor enclosure. They installed a heavy, lockable metal door in their bedroom, creating a suite of rooms, including the caged room where Travis could roam freely when he was left alone. When Jerry and Sandy were home, Travis had the entire house at his disposal, knuckle running from the couch in the living room to the kitchen, swinging from the tires and ropes in his room, jumping on his bed. The Heralds also laid a mattress on the floor of their bedroom, although most nights Travis slept in bed with them. Sandy and Jerry took Travis to work with them every day. They installed tire swings, ropes, and trampolines in a giant room above their shop. He was inquisitive and friendly. It was their baby. It was their baby. And I just, I I definitely want to emphasize that this is part of the reason that I want to spend so much time on this one is because, I mean, if you're going to do this, I truly think they did as much as you could possibly do. Should you do this? Probably not. When was this? Um, the 90s or he he was born in 95. The actual story takes place in, I want to say, 2009. And, like, I'm just going to say, fellow white people, because it's always us, we've got to stop with this Snow White fantasy bullshit. Yep. Honestly. Like, I, I'm just going to say it. Because, like, does raising a baby monkey sound fun? Sure. Absolutely. But this shit's not a game and people end up hurt, mm-hmm. usually including the animals whose lives are disrupted at the very least, if not ended, for being fucking animals. And I don't think that Sandy and Jerry had any intention of anything of the sort. They they did everything that you could do right other than owning a chimpanzee in the first place. Sandy was a bit of a character. Um, that article in the New York Magazine said that she wore bright pink lipstick and copious amounts of bronzer along with skin tight size 7 jeans. Again, when I'm dead, I don't feel like you need to tell people all that. Like the tightness of my jeans and what size they are. Leave me alone. <laughs> Um, but no, we, we need to know this about Sandy. She had married Jerry, her third husband at 30, and their marriage was very happy and stable. They took Travis everywhere, including to work at their towing company and to run errands in town. Their towing business had made them millionaires. Travis was a local celebrity, um, especially with law enforcement. Everybody knew him because, you know, when they showed up with their tow truck at an accident or something, they would have Travis with them. So everyone knew him. People were getting in accidents just so they could meet Travis. Probably so. There was, um, like, there were local shops that had just pictures of him all over their walls. Like, everybody knew him. 
According to Wikipedia's unusually descriptive page about Travis, quote, Travis could open doors using keys, dress himself, water plants, feed hay to his owner's horses, eat at a table with the rest of the family, and drink wine from a stemmed glass. He was so fond of ice cream that he learned the schedule of passing ice cream trucks. He logged onto the computer to look at pictures, watched television using remote control, and brushed his teeth using a water pick. He enjoyed watching baseball on television. Travis had also driven a car on several occasions. They were boozing that monkey up. Which is wild, but you... Yeah, he did drink wine. Which is wild, but you have got to make a note of that Travis knows how to drive a car thing, because it's kind of (laughs) relevant. I'm... Yeah. Hopefully he's not doing both at the same time. Oh my god. Sorry. That's your biggest concern here. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's going to be bad. I'm trying to lighten it up. Yeah, you've you've heard some audio that's coming. It's, you know. (laughs) So Sandra lost her only child to a car accident and then her husband within four years of each other, which only made her more attached to Travis for companionship. Neither Sandra nor Travis took the loss of Jerry well at all. While he was in the hospital with stomach cancer, according to New York Magazine, quote, when Sandy arrived home from the hospital, Travis smelled her clothing frantically inhaling Jerry's scent. He was at first disoriented by Jerry's sudden absence, then despondent. Several times, Sandy put Travis on the phone to talk to Jerry. Each time, Travis became so upset she had to take the phone away. Travis sat rocking back and forth for hours. He lifted pictures of Jerry off the wall, put his lips to the glass, and held them to his chest. Sandy took them all down and put them in a box. On April 12th, Jerry died. After Jerry's death, Sandy ignored condolences and stopped speaking to many of her friends. Travis continued his rocking. When she sat on the sofa crying, Travis gently brushed her hair. He bit her nails and used an emery board to file them. Oh my gosh, this is so sad. Oh yeah, I know. Every every part of the story is tragic. Um, although Sandra would repeatedly compare her close bond with Travis to a mother-child relationship, repeatedly, consistently, cannot stress enough, like she considered him her child. A lot of the media went out of their way to make it sound weird, like the NBC News article that wrote, quote, Travis the chimpanzee's relationship with his owner was closer than those of some married couples. Sandra Harrell gave him the finest food and wine and long-stemmed glasses. They took baths together and cuddled in the bed they shared. Travis brushed the lonely widow's hair each night and pined for her when she was away. If she left the house alone, Travis would give her a kiss. If I left with someone, Travis would get upset, Harold said Wednesday. Mm. this did kind of make me think about cody and his like famous you don't have to really say it like that (laughs) um because they don't uh one publication called out another saying quote the new york post had accused sandy of quote weird jungle love and all but said that she and travis had sexual relations yikes yeah uh according to almost everyone who knew him travis had a wonderful personality although there were occasional issues In 2003, Sandy and her husband were stopped in an intersection with Travis in the car. When someone threw a bottle through the car window, startling Travis, he unbuckled, hopped out, and gave chase to the man who was probably now very glad he wasn't caught, now that he and the rest of the world know how this story ends. Travis couldn't be caught for hours, which actually led to a whole-ass law being passed forbidding ownership of non-human primates over 50 pounds, which is a... Cut off 240 pound Travis was far beyond, but it wasn't enforced for Travis because Sandra had had him for so long and no one considered him a threat. But they were so, so, so wrong. 
the New York Magazine article said, quote, Stanford's animal control officer was more concerned. After contacting primatologists, she spoke with Sandy, arguing that Travis was by now a fully sexualized male adult. Chimpanzees in the wild have sex non-monogamously as often as 50 times a day. Jesus that he Christ. Had the strength, yeah, that he had the strength of at least five men. That adult chimpanzees are known to be unpredictable and potentially violent, which is why all chimp actors are prepubescent, and that maintaining Travis for the duration of his five or six decade lifetime was not viable. Sandy seemed to pay an open mind to the officer's warning, but ultimately concluded that Travis had never exhibited even the slightest capacity for violence, which I would just like to say he wouldn't when he was prepubescent. (laughs) So in 2009 when travis was 14 which is right around the age that males begin mating he was having a rough day he had been agitated and hard to calm all day sander gave him tea laced with xanax that had been prescribed by his veterinarian but that may have just made the situation worse Um, paradoxical reactions aren't uncommon with that in that situation um, he had actually been going through treatment for Lyme disease and psychosis and rage are some of the symptoms of that. Oh, wow. So yeah, that could definitely be a factor. I'm sure his age had to be a factor. Um, Sandra knew that one day Travis would have to go live in a sanctuary. There was just no way around it. Eventually she just hoped it wasn't time for that yet. She was, I want to say 71. Um, I've seen some conflicting reports. She had a 50-year-old... Well, hold on. I I swear every article lists this woman's age differently. I've seen everything from 50 to 59. A lot of them are very specific. Like, they say 51, 55, 59, but they're all different. She's in her 50s. Um, so Sandy had this friend and co-worker named Sharla who helped her with everything. They had met on the rodeo circuit when Sharla was an 18-year-old runaway. She lived in an apartment nearby with her high school-aged daughter for a while, um, a fellow business owner in the area said about their relationship, quote, Charlotte stayed to herself. She did everything for Sandy. Anything that needed to be done, Charlotte did it. Charlotte and her daughter had been barely housed, surviving on odd jobs for a while. And um, Sandra was kind enough to, I, and by the way, I keep referring to her as Sandra and Sandy. Different articles refer to her as both, so I'm just using them kind of interchangeably. Um, Sandra was kind enough to let them move into her finished loft rent-free and employ Sharla. So when Travis grabbed Sandy's keys and let himself out of the front door one day, Sandy knew she was in over her head. So she called Sharla to come help her calm Travis down and coax him back inside. What happened next should be a movie, but it's a movie I don't think anyone would watch. Right. <laughs> Sharla pulled into the driveway. Please check your content warnings, guys. And stepped out of the car carrying Travis's favorite toy, a Tickled Me Elmo, and he lost it. He attacked her, and as deeply, profoundly bonded with him as Sandy was, she understood the severity of the situation immediately. And she took action that was unimaginable to her, but necessary to have any chance of saving Charlotte's life. When hitting Travis over the head with a shovel didn't stop him, she grabbed a butcher knife and plunged it into his back, which she said was, quote, like putting one in herself. He turned around with an expression that she perceived as betrayal, and whatever the intent had been, whether it was to kill him or just startle and injure him enough to make him stop, it didn't work. All it did was piss him off. The attack on Charlotte continued for 12 horrific minutes. She was 
heinously injured. She had to be dead. So when Travis moved to also attack Sandy, she ran, locked herself in her car and called 911. Now, we we had to have a little private meeting between right. us about whether to include the 911 call. Um, I think a lot of you are going to look it up anyway, and it's kind of buried on the internet. So I'm going to with the strongest disclaimers you can possibly imagine. Um, one being, I'm going to timestamp this. So if you don't feel like you can hear this, um, check the timestamps in the content warnings, and it will tell you exactly where to skip to. Um, I don't do timestamp content warnings a whole lot, but... This one's rough. This, this It is rough. one of the hardest to hear 911 calls I've ever heard. And personally, I don't say I like 911 calls, but I'm kind of interested in them. And I always look them up. I'm not sure I've heard one worse than this, but I would have just been typing paragraphs just trying to describe it. And I mean, it, it is, it is fucking bad. Um, you can hear Travis screaming in the background for quite a bit of it. It is a four minute 911 call. So I will trim down some of the parts that are just repetitive. Um, so what you're hearing is not the complete uncut one. Um, but I'm not, you know, cutting anything out. That's super important. You can look it up if you want to hear the whole thing. I don't know how far I'll trim it down. Probably around two minutes. We'll see. Um, so I'm going to play that for you now. Just do what I'm telling you to us. 
So uh, it doesn't matter how many times I listen to it. It's horrifying nope. every nope. time. Yep. Um, it was apparently only when Sandra said he's eating her that the dispatcher actually believed this wasn't a hoax. Um, I mean, I guess to his credit, it seemed like he was responding appropriately either way, but he, he did not believe it for most of the call. Right. Um, Sandra didn't have a good view of what was happening, but from the officer side of things, they pulled up and they were immediately approached by Travis, who you have to remember weighed as much as a grown man and was covered in blood. He tried to get into the car and smash one of the mirrors when he was not successful. He opened the driver's door and was met with an officer named Frank, who immediately drew his weapon. This was a terrifying moment for Frank, and who describes himself as more sensitive than most cops. And also, let me make a note that Frank has known Travis for his whole life. Mm. So, he said they used to play together. Yeah. So, it's not like this is completely out of left field, but I think the behavior might have been... Um, he said that Travis had, quote, fangs and blood all over his hands and face from just eating this poor woman in a frenzy, banging on my car, knocking the rearview mirror off like butter. Frank shot Travis at close range four times, but he still didn't die immediately. He made his way inside, leaving a trail of blood behind him and died next to his cage. A toxicology report after his death showed the small amount of Xanax in his system, which looked pretty sus to the public, but it was prescribed. Um, his brain was tested for rabies as is, as is standard and it was negative. Sandra died of a ruptured aortic embolism at 72 a year after the attack and her last months were hell. She was She survived alone. it? No, this is Sandra. Oh, okay. This is the owner. Hold on. We'll, we'll get to Charlotte in a minute. Um, she was left alone in a home that used to be full of love and companionship with nothing but solitude and these nightmarish memories. After everything happened, she said, quote, he couldn't be more my son if I gave birth to him. After her death, her attorney gave a statement saying, quote, Miss Harold had suffered a series of heartbreaking losses over the last several years, beginning with the death of her only child, then her husband, then her beloved chimp Travis, as well as the tragic maiming of her friend and employee, Charlotte Nash. In the end, her heart, which had been broken so many times before, could take no more. But no one was living through more hell than Charlotte, who was not actually dead. When she was found, she was so catastrophically injured that no one could tell if she was a man or a woman. She was mostly naked. More than half of her blood was on the ground. The yard was littered with pieces of her body, including her entire face. Oh my God. Yeah. The first responders who had seen Charlotte's injuries had to undergo therapy and treatment for shock and trauma. One of the neighbors and friends of Sandra gave an interview and said, quote, he bit both of her hands off. The cop said he was eating It's terrible. I don't want to talk about it. The hospital staff also received counseling, quote, due to the extraordinary nature of her wounds. She had had her lips, nose, eyelids, eyes, hands, and face ripped off. She was permanently blinded. All of the bones in the middle of her face were destroyed. Her brain tissue was injured. Her jaw was detached. Travis's hair and teeth were embedded in her body. She was rushed to the hospital and into surgery that lasted seven hours with four teams of doctors just to stabilize her. Sandra was interviewed during all this, and although I do feel like she is completely entitled to this opinion, 
as Charlotte was going through what she was, I don't know that I think her response was great. Right. <laughs> she was asked, after what you've been through with this, your friend is in the hospital fighting for her life. Do you still think chimps should be pets? And she responded, would I have done it again? Yes. They're the closest thing to humans to us. We can give them a blood transfusion and they can give us one. How many people go crazy and kill other people? This is one incident that I don't know what happened. I just don't I know. I don't like that at all. No. And I don't know that invoking the thought of blood transfusions was the move here right then. Like maybe leave blood transfusions out of it. Um, she descended into very severe depression and in the last year of her life and hoarding to the point that her house became unusable. Um, when she died, Charlotte said, quote, Sandra was a troubled woman and maybe she has some peace now. New York Magazine wrote, quote, A few miles away is a cemetery that has no tombstones. A plot there belongs to the Heralds. Beside Jerry, inside a sealed vault, inside a sealed coffin, Sandy Harold wears an animal print shirt and tight jeans distressed from ankle to hip. Her fingernails are painted pink and her hands rest atop her abdomen. Against her one side stands an urn containing the ashen remains of her daughter Susan. On the other, in the same urn she'd slept with every night since that day in February, are Travis's. Again As with the Charlotte. tight jeans. Knock it off. Right? Like, how tight are they? <laughs> um, As for Sharla, she sued the state for $150 million, saying that they knew Travis was a danger and had failed to intervene, and that they never should have allowed residents to own an animal like that in the first place, but her lawsuit was dismissed. Sharla said in an interview, quote, I hope and pray that the commissioner will give me my day in court, and I also pray... But I hope that this never happens to anyone else again. It is not nice. She also sued Sanders estate after she died for $50 million, an amount that she said was not even close to what she needed just to cover her medical bills. A year and a half after she was attacked, Charlotte was admitted to a hospital in Boston to be assessed to determine whether she would be a candidate for some very cutting edge procedures, which included two hand transplants and a whole face transplant. She was approved and received both surgeries, but her hands were rejected and had to be removed five days after the surgery. She was hospitalized for over a year and then had to live in a nursing home. Her attorney said that her life was full of, quote, loneliness, despair, and suffering. Her face transplant was one of the first 50 or so ever performed in the entire world, and it was done in a hospital that had performed the first U.S. full face transplant just two months before that. It was pretty successful, although obviously, I mean, a face transplant's face transplant. It, right. It's, that's rough. Um, and it would necessitate her being on lifelong antibiotics and anti-rejection drugs. It did improve her use of her senses. Obviously, her eyes were gone, so she was given prosthetics. Ultimately, she was awarded $4 million by Sanders' estate. Not enough. No, she said the $50 million didn't even cover the surgery. And she got four. Uh, there was a big push for legislation on the issue. The vice president of the Humane Society said, which he shouldn't have said this, in my opinion, because read the room, man. Quote, given the patchwork of state and local laws and the interstate nature of the primate pet trade, a federal response is urgently needed. Primates are wild animals who can attack and spread disease, and they don't belong in our bedrooms and basements. It's time to end this dangerous monkey business. Oh, my God. Sir. Shut up. <laughs> Read the room, please. Frank the cop was very traumatized by his experience. 
um, and became somewhat of an advocate for change in workman's comp laws after he was denied any compensation because he hadn't had to shoot a human. But can you seriously imagine how fucked up shooting a rampaging chimpanzee would be that is probably bigger than you? He said, quote, to come to a scene and you see a fellow human being ripped apart. I feel for that. I see this person scalped. I don't want to get into the gory things. There were fingers ripped off and everything. Yeah, it's going to get to you. I've been a cop for 25 years. I've had little kids killed, but I've dealt with it. I'm pretty sensitive, more than most cops probably, but I deal with it when I've had those stressful calls. And this gave him some pretty severe PTSD. And, I can only um, imagine. Yeah, and he, he has really struggled to get any kind of compensation. I mean, the whole that. community has treated this chimpanzee as a person. I don't understand... Mm-hmm. He should be compensated. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I get that it, it's kind of a gray area because maybe you don't need like the full level of compensation if you have to kill a dog or something. I mean, that's awful, of course. If it can drive a car. Need, right? Like, I get that maybe you don't need quite the level of compensation that you would be if you killed a human after that. But a chimpanzee is kind of a gray area on that. <laughs> um. Sharla is still alive and in her 70s. Obviously, she remains permanently blind, but she's doing as well as can be expected. And That's incredible. From what I know. From what I can gather, she is hoping for a forearm transplant. But her face, it, it dude, if you ever want to fall down a rabbit hole, face transplants, that'll do it. That will occupy you for hours. <laughs> um, it is quite a topic. And that is our episode. Wow. Yeah, I told you. (laughs) I don't think we've had one so gory since the car wash. Yeah, it's been a while. If that, probably not that. That was just a face. There was more than this one. Yeah, it's it's rough. That was really rough. Um, Yeah, but I think that it's, I mean, you can assign some blame, certainly, in that one. But I do think that it's hard to make a villain out of that one and a lot of the others you know had less substance on them and it's real easy to dismiss and be like well yeah that dumb fuck shouldn't have had that kind of pet though and just move on which shouldn't do that either but this one you know there there's a lot everyone almost is a victim in this yeah that's heartbreaking travis charlotte sandy everybody like you know it's it's just awful it's just absolutely awful We definitely need some disaster relief. Oh my god, yes we do. (laughs) I'm just gonna go back to my usual... I know I've talked about this a million times, but I love Lego. (laughs) You um, do. It's been a rough week. Um, My sweet Aria, she's big into Lego. We'll sit there and just work on a project like all day long. Um... I splurged. I wanted to get this at Christmas time, but I didn't. And I promised myself that I will have a Christmas village, but it will be Lego. And uh, so I treated myself after the shittiest of weekends and got a Christmas Main Street Lego. (laughs) I know it's (laughs) Easter, but I'm working on Christmas stuff. Whatever. I'm, I'm going to give you a pass on that literally one time. <laughs> it's going to be the cutest thing ever. I just can't wait to dig into it. That's mine. I like it. Um, mine is uh, a little weird. 
Uh, weird, dumb, or yum is our old thing. This one's weird. Maybe dumb, too. Certainly not yum. Um, I have been, you know, recently divorced. I mean, not that recently, but recently-ish divorced. And when you've been married for a really long time um, and you're kind of rediscovering things that were... Uh, not a thing during the course of your marriage for one reason or another. It is quite a feeling. And, um, I've been on kind of a, a little badass kick. Yeah. I've been on kind of a, I can do this like kick, um, with a lot of things that maybe, uh, situations did not make me feel like I could. Um, I need to, <laughs> phrase that the right way. But um yeah, I've I've been, you know, a lot of just like stupid little adulting things where I'm like, oh God, okay, so this is, you know, this is my first big test of this as a single lady. And I keep doing it. And my brake light went out in my car the other day. Change your fucking brake light. I did. And my lovely, lovely, lovely fucking so sweet competent helpful helps me with anything i need never holds it over my head never makes me feel like an idiot never makes me feel incompetent girlfriend was like that's no problem we can just youtube that later i'll fix it for you like i'll take it in and fix it for you or we can youtube it later and we can fix it and i'm like thank you babe that's so sweet we were not physically in each other's company at that moment and like as i'm saying this i'm like "Mm -mm, i'm gonna do this no i love it just Yeah, like, I, God, as much as I absolutely appreciate the hell out of her for her willingness to always be so helpful, um, I have found that there are a lot of things that I just need to do just to kind of give myself a certain fucking back pocket. Yes, I just, every time there's one of those things where I, I just hit this, this little wall of, uh, it's, it's I know, know pre previous dynamics and feeling like oh I'm not smart competent mature adult enough to do this and then I fucking do it um yeah so I changed my brake light which you know not hard at all a bit outside of my normal skill set but I did change it alone cut the shit out of my finger blood everywhere. <laughs> I yeah, I'm not even mad at it. I had taken apart the taillight of my car in the parking lot at the auto parts store so I could take in the bulb and make sure I had the right one. So then I've got my car taken apart. So I'm covered in like a shocking amount of blood for a pretty small cut. Just putting your DNA all up in there. All over. I mean, it's on my car. It's on the bulb. It's on my jacket. It's on my hands. It's it's everywhere like i walk into the store and the guy behind the counter is like oh my god do you need assistance (laughs) and i was like yeah but not like you think like i can't go anywhere to do anything about this because my car's taillight is taken apart so i can't really go anywhere to fix this until i fix that um so can you like take me to the bulbs and show me definitively which one i need because i can't be picking them up reading the backs i'm a walking biohazard right now (laughs) So, like, I held up the bulb so he could see it and not touch it. And then we went to the bulb aisle and, like, he brought it to the front and everything. And he had to give me a little thing to put in my pin and everything. But God bless it. I regret nothing. <laughs> That's so incredible. I'm so – you're – you know what? You're competent. You're smart. You're beautiful. You don't need anybody to do anything. And I'm really proud of you. No, I don't need anything to do anything. And I'm also – 
um, at a point in my life where I am attracting people who will do things for me without um, making me feel bad or stupid. And that is beautiful. And I think that those are two things that both need to happen in my life. I need to do certain things myself just to tell myself that I can. Um, and I also need to be having the, the quality of people around me who I can lean on when I need to, mm-hmm. um, who won't make it awful. And by God, I'm doing both of those things. And I'm not going to lie. I love every minute. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. I love you too. No, it's it's been a... It's been really awesome watching you grow. It's been fun. It has been fun. It's not that you and can't do things. It's No, it's, it's not. That you you haven't had the opportunity um or maybe the no. the support group. Yeah, um you know, sometimes there are dynamics where um one person feeling competent would be a threat to another person. <laughs> and that's all I will say about that. And I am finding my confidence now. And every time I do one of these things, the next one is easier. And I feel much more like I can tackle whatever. And I mean, bless her heart. I would be remiss not to mention the fact that that sweet girlfriend of mine could be my disaster relief every week because she <laughs> is truly the best. Um, yeah, she she never never does that and uh, would help me with literally anything I ever ask for help with, but also understands when I need to do it myself. So I finally have a Band-Aid off of this so it can get some air and heal, and it hurts like fuck, but it's okay. Well, we do have two new Patreons this week, too. Um, Allie Hennessy. That's a cool name. super cool. <laughs> um, your buddy is, frankly, Sarah, which is cool, too. Like I said, I, I go by username, so if you want your full name, let me know. I don't like accidentally doxing people. Oh, my God, Melanie. <laughs> you and the doxing, it's out of hand. Go donate blood. Go donate food. Go donate a kidney. Yes, a kidney. Um, I almost said some very inappropriate stuff. Me, too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we're not going to do that. I'm glad we both almost went there with that joke and then decided not to. Yes, this is why you're my best friend. Just go donate stuff um, with whatever everybody, whatever you have to give. Whatever you've got. Um, <laughs> geez, gosh. Um, yeah, until next time, sweet dreams sweet or dreams no dreams. Or no dreams. Hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.